y'all ready for this? That was good. Yeah, that was yeah. good tenor, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to LCC's podcast, everybody. Pursuit of Purpose. My name is Nate Luke. I'm joined here tonight with Kevin Stuckey. So, Brian Fleming, our special guest. Hey. Hey, everyone. And none other than our boy, our dude, yes. our guy, our one true love, Cody Jeweler. What's up? I'm better than last week. <laughs> last week I was average. Yeah. Well, you're more than average this week. Good job, man. Thank Life you. is all about improving and you're doing it. <laughs> all right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we got a, got some good stuff to talk about today on today's podcast here, but before we get to that point, we're going to get to some news, uh, starting off with some, well, really, like, it's been the news of the week. It's been the weather, guys. It's been nutty this week. Yes. Very cool, cold. though. I mean, Very cool. Yeah, literally. No pun intended. Ha, <laughs> 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 It's been cold, but uh, kind of nice, actually, to have, I mean, not dealing with it. This Dealing with snow is not fun, but... Um, like actually having snow, I mean seriously, it's been a long time. I'm not a fan of it. Really, not no, at all. Like no. you don't do anything in the snow. Did you like growing up? Did you play in the snow? I did, but I like I like being warm and hot. I don't like being cold and freezing. Yeah. You, did you guys? Do you, does the family, the kids, play in the snow? Fleming, sledding, snowmen. Yeah. Professor sometimes. Fleming. Can we professor. call him Professor? No, 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 no. Professor. No? <laughs> <laughs> may I call you? May I call you Doctor Fleming? Is that <laughs> Doctor? <laughs> so you guys uh, do anything? Uh, we no, we didn't get to go sledding this time. We usually do, but we didn't make it out this time. No. So basically, it's just been a uh, cold and stuff to shovel and a bit of a hindrance at work yeah. for making the production routes. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah, the kids enjoy it sometimes. So. Uh, Brian, just just so people know, what do you do at, uh, at work? What is your your work? I work uh, with Heiko Incorporated, and we help adults with uh, disabilities. That's cool. Cool, man. And I get to work um, in the the vocational hub. So all of our guys do part work for different companies like um, Adient and uh, TimberTech, um, pendant moldings. And um, so you, they work to build. Yeah, things for yeah, small those who have special packages. needs. Yep. Wow. That's well, no, no, cool, man. It's yeah, actually it just for regular production stuff. The, the guys with special needs actually build things for. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yep. That's Pretty awesome, cool. man. Yeah, Cody, you had the most interesting job on the show. What I know, not until Brian showed up. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. Yeah, that's really cool. So you, so Adian and you said Timber Tech. Mm-hmm. That's a Wilmington business. Yeah. Yeah. Adian's Greenfield. So yeah. and pendant moldings in Sabina. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Where's Timbertech? There's they're Wilmington too, right? Yeah, they're it's it's on um Prairie Avenue, right there off of Lowe's Drive. Yeah. Behind Lowe's. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Dude. You're you're awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are awesome. I'm just like I'm blessed to be able to work there with them. So. Nah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah it is. Cool. How cool, did you man. how did you uh, how did you start that? Uh friends. Just uh, a lot of friends that worked there. And uh they were like a lot of uh, my female friends. They're like, we need guys here because apparently a lot of guys don't go into that field. Mm-hmm. So it was just one of those things. And uh, honestly, I took the job um, just kind of as a job, sort of out of treatment, and thought, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure how to work or not, like dealing with people. 
So I'd done factory work after that, kind of to stay away from people and feelings and all that stuff to kind of figure out my stuff. And uh, I wasn't sure how it worked out, but it's been awesome. Like being around that community was like probably one of the most helpful things, like seeing the Lord work through that. And I look back, seeing the evidence, I'm like, man, he put me in an awesome spot to be around people who are probably the most understanding people mm-hmm. in the world Yeah. to help me mature with those things that I had put on the back burner for so long with the drinking. So, yeah. 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 Well, and we'll get into that a yeah, little bit in your past. But let yeah. me ask you one more thing just while we're here. Yeah. So what would you say, like, if you have, like, do you have a story that you can say, like, is just a really, like, one that sticks out to you that was just a really moving or powerful moment for you, like, in in that position, uh, working with, with the, those individuals? Is there a, is a story that kind of maybe typifies what that, what that is or what that looks like? Um... One of the most rewarding stories recently, actually, is um, we do a lot of recycling also. So we'll pick up cardboard from companies, and uh, we have a baler there. And one of our guys who was, uh, who was bailing in the bottom of the gay ward found uh, a hitch, like a brand new hitch that was supposed to be in Farm and Home. And uh, he comes and finds me. He's like, hey, uh, you know, I don't think it's supposed to be in there. Like, hmm. But it's cool to see the guys have those moments where their character shows, like where, you know, they could have hid that. Mm-hmm. They could have taken certain things to end up in those boxes. It's always cool to see them make the right choices. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is cool, man. Yeah, we'll we'll have to talk more about that because, uh, like I said, that's really interesting. It's really mm-hmm. cool, man. So definitely, we'll, we'll definitely get back into that. Um, Cody, you have any other news for the week? I know we just touched on the weather. Cody gets to nuts. do news. Yeah, well, I'm only covering one. Okay. Yeah. Cool, so, like, man. If if murder hornets wasn't enough. For the 2020, 2021 And squirrels saga. with knives. Huh? And squirrels with knives. Yeah, don't forget, squirrels don't forget squirrels. them. According to Miami.com, they have iguanas that wear bandanas and they attack people. What? Yeah. Gangs I, that's, of iguanas? I mean, that's what this journalist is alluding to like as a comedy, but I guess it's legit. Like There was a guy that was attacked by a large iguana in Miami, Florida, and it was wearing a bandana. Now, Red I'm sure that the, ba- the bandana was probably like, twisted up on it. I don't know, um, but it ended up fleeing and nobody ever found it. I so, guess I guess we could call that an iguangana. Iguangna. Right? right? That's the worst joke I've heard <laughs> in 2021. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really good. <laughs> yeah, you should run that bias before you say stuff like that on air. Yeah. We, we just lost another listener. Now we're down to 11. <laughs> Time to stop the podcast. <laughs> the old stop button. Oh, man. Well, that's good. Yeah, we always got to have our weird news. So thanks for that tiny bit of uh, weird news for the week, Cody. Um, Kevin, um, I know we just finished up the 21-day fast yes. this past week. Uh, has anyone come to you and just kind of talked about maybe their experiences once it was done? You know, maybe what they they felt like they got from it or someone they knew got from it? No, but uh, I went home Sunday and Emma's like, so, you know, did you talk about the fast during church? And I said, I kind of mentioned it, you know, a little bit in the sermon. She's like, so after 21 days, you didn't talk about the fast? And I was like, no. She goes, wow, way to end it. (laughs) (laughs) So I may have to say a little more about it Sunday than I did this week, but I thought you gave me kind of a funny look when I asked that question. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh. uh, why ask that question? Uh, I have not done enough with it yet. Um, no, I, I, you know, kind of like what I've said in the past. Nothing new. Just that 
you know, I, I feel like it was a, it, it was a, it was a real blessing for a lot of people. I mean, I had a lot of people just throughout who initially, I mean, nobody gets excited about that, but you know, in that initial at part of it, but through the process kind of came to some good, um, revelations, you know, and, and, and I feel like, you know, God spoke to a lot of people in a lot of different ways through this. So I think a real blessing and, and we'll continue to process that, you know, again, the, the biggest thing was, I, I, I don't think this is one of those moments where you just say, okay, now we have the answer. Let's move on. You know, I think it is, you know, it, it's, it's a beginning of the year for a year that we hope brings glory to God through our lives, you know, regardless of what's going on in the world around us. And I think that we've, we've gave it a good start from, from that standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Um, also kind of while we're on the topic, uh, last week's sermon, um, it was entitled the Lord's anointed. Yeah. And we're still in the, uh, the gospel according to David. Um, I, I told you beforehand, I paid attention this week. I thought it was really good. Um, Kevin, can you, uh, just elaborate a little bit more on that? Kind of sum it up. Yeah. So, uh, the, the main theme was David being anointed, you know, as he's a shepherd out in the field and, you know, Samuel coming and, and saying, okay, Jesse, you know, God said one of your sons is going to be king, you know, and he parades all of his brothers, all David's brothers, and they're all older, right? There's seven of them, right? They, he goes through all of them and, and, and God's like, nope, 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 nope. And again, we, we kind of compared it to like the distractions that come, the misdirections that come, you know, that where we get focused on the outward, we get fo- focused on the physical, we get we get focused on the superficial things, um, and we lose sight of what God is truly looking at. And that's that's the heart, that's the inside, that's the guts of it, right? Um, and how, you know, if, if, if we're going to be, you know, like Christ, then we have to stop looking at all the superficialities that we see in our world and really get to the to the depth of, of what's really going on. And and um, and when we do, like, it gives us a perspective that we can actually live and deal with this world in a way that we never could without it. So, yeah, that was kind of it, and the series goes on. I, you know, I'm excited. This series has already been really, really good, and I'm excited about kind of where it, where it goes from here, too, so... All right, so uh, sounds like this is a good segue into what our main topic is going to be on today. Again, we have Brian Fleming in as our guest, um, and I think it's a, a really um, good topic, again, for today's world. I know we've kind of touched on it a few times already in our podcast, but um, just kind of the, the political sphere and, and you know how do we navigate like a middle ground? I think that's kind of what you were getting at, Brian. Mm-hmm. Is is how do we navigate this middle ground uh, in in those murky waters that we call politics and society and culture and things like that? So, um, if one of you guys wants to maybe give us a, a good start here, we can uh, break into it. Yeah, I I had talked to Brian probably over a month ago. Yeah, it's been a while. I had sent him a message and said, hey, you want to be on the podcast sometime? And he responded back, and uh, we talked a little bit, and he's, he's, I said, do you have a date in mind? And he said a date, and then I didn't talk to him for a month. <laughs> I mean, I saw, we said hi here and there, but, you know, we, had, we didn't really talk for a month, and then, like, this week, I finally responded to you, this last week, and I said, 
oh, hey, yeah, that works, perfect, sorry I didn't get back to you sooner, so, but this had been something that you had talked about, you and I had talked about before, and something that's been on your mind and on your heart for a long time, for a lot of different reasons, and it's what you, what you titled the middle road, so kind of define that for us, kind of set parameters for us for this discussion. Um, the middle road for me, um, I mean, Jesus said, you know, it, it's simple, there's the narrow way, right? which is the way to salvation, and then there is a broad way to destruction. So uh, Billy Graham famously said that, you know, it's, it's strictly those two ways, right? There's no middle ground. There's no, none of this. But um, I think that the way the world paints for us, they give us options within the broad way. So what we have are, like in America, for instance, right, are left and right politics. And it's like um, no matter what you do anymore, People are trying to label you, trying to throw you into one of those those areas. Either either you're far left or you're far right, or you're. It's almost like a, a constantly suspicious culture we live in, kind of trying to package right one of the one of these extremes. And I'm like, that's not where we live at all. You know, not with, not with Jesus. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think too, you know, I think as a Christian, the the biggest thing that I think is, is difficult to, to navigate, navigate in that is, you know, the fact that it's not, you, they're not allowing you to pick hmm. one or the other. If you say certain things, then you're automatically here. Or if you say things that are different than that, then you're automatically over here. Like you're being forced into these, yeah. into these spheres, whether you want to be or not. And so essentially what you're saying is like, we have to find a way to navigate that walking this narrow way that 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 only Christ offers for us but then from a political standpoint like continuing to keep an open mind and be able to think through these issues you know you know properly and not just pick a side in this cuz it's easy to pick a side um and even we want to I think because of certain things but I I think we've been very clear as we've talked about this I mean you guys know this like there are absolutely things from you know, both sides of the aisle that we feel like are good things, right? And there are both, there are things on both sides of the aisle that we think are idiotic things. Like, there is no, <laughs> there is no one side gets it all right and one side gets it all wrong. Um, but I think it's become very difficult to talk about. Oh, yeah. Very difficult to talk about. Well, okay. So that's, that'll be our topic. Let, let's get into who is Brian Fleming. Um, Cody? You got any questions here? Who is Brian Fleming? Maybe something really tough. Like really tough? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. All right, let's Don't see. Don't take it easy on him. <laughs> what size shoe do you wear? <laughs> That's super tough. Like, <laughs> no. like 10 and a half. Yeah, There you go. Why don't you introduce yourself, man? Me too, man. man. Like, tell us who you are and where you came from and how you became a member at Leesburg Church of Christ. Yeah. That's actually a really cool one. Um, the member here um, had come here to visit you know, here and there since we're right down the road and, and my wife had come here, you know, prior and the kids and stuff. So, um, that one actually becoming members here, uh, was an answered prayer when all the COVID stuff happened and all the churches went virtual, you know, and it was just, you know, there was a good reason at first, you know, and then when it started coming around to see like, you know, we can go back to church, we can go worship in person again and, and have fellowship and it's not the same virtual. I'm like, man, I was missing it. And uh, we it just, is. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I. It's hard to remember that, but I. I do remember 
the first time that we were back and it was it was a breath of fresh air just because you know the virtual thing it serves its purpose it's it's great and even those who continued to you know participate only from that venue i you know i get it i understand it but man there's something about me god's people being together yeah. you know yeah. and i'm all for it i mean if you can't make it at least you have some some way to you know to be at church that way with the virtual but personally you know for our family i was like really missing being in person, having the fellowship, you know. Um, and it's something I've been praying about during that time, when you know, when the churches were still all virtual and you guys had opened back up. And I was like, because we were formerly at North Coast, and, and that one just kind of stayed virtual at that point. So, um, yeah, I was just like, Lord, like, you know, what, where are you going? Like, where can I use the gifts you give me? Like, where can I go and, and worship? or And where can we go and learn? And, and where's our place, you know? Like, and it was more just, you know, that, like, we had the church services, you know, but standing up in the, in the, uh, like off the couch to worship, like to a television screen. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> like this is not a raise my hand situation right Maybe now. Maybe you just awkward. needed a 70 inch TV. Maybe, Maybe that would A bigger TV, surround sound. <laughs> there you go. Like, ah! <laughs> yeah. So it actually looks like you're standing in the <laughs> yeah, crowd. Right. Yeah, yeah. That would have helped, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's an option. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, we came here, um, just came in to visit and uh, Christina stopped after the service and was like, you know, you can get up there and worship with us sometime. And I was like, huh. And she's like, we actually have a short, a couple weeks now. Like we'll need someone to come and help. And I was like, awesome. Like sign me up and just kind of went from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I remember that first Sunday that you played, man, like you just have that really folksy voice that I like. And when you, when you play old hymns, man, I love that. Yeah. Thank you. You do such a good job. So, uh, kind of piggybacking off that, like, where did you grow up? Like, where are you from? Uh, I was born in Middletown. Middletown? Yeah. Okay. About an hour, hour 15 from here. Yeah. But then when I was nine years old, we moved out here. My mom remarried, and we moved. To like Hillsboro area? Or Newmarket, yeah. Newmarket, okay. Yep. yep. Grew up and went to Hillsboro High School and stayed around here. Bounced back and forth a little bit between here and Monroe, um, where my family is still up there, so kind of college years kind of going back and forth living and um yeah and then ended up back here to settle down now did you were were, were you in a christian home like were, were your parents they go to church every week like what was that like from from a spiritual aspect no um my grandparents were very very much into i mean christian faith and very active but um mom it's always been a Christian, but it was more like the stepdads we had and just uh, never much faith there. So we'd go sometimes and it'd be, we'd be on for a spell and then uh, and then back out, you know. But I mean, she always instilled those values in us. Like one of the only things that I knew when I started going to church and, and actually came to faith was the Lord's Prayer. Like I knew that one front to back. That's, yeah. She had us reciting that as kids when we went to bed. So, But always been big in faith, but not so much the discipline, the church, the religion part of it. So. So what what did that journey look like? Like, so you you get a little bit older, you get out on your own. Like, what did that part of your life look like? And then, kind of, how did you eventually get to the place where you are now, where like you have a deep, you know, relationship with God, and that is like the most important thing for you now. So, like, take us through that process. Like that process. Um, I guess growing up and, and hearing about faith, but then also, you know, being a I would I define myself as agnostic before, right? So I question everything, right? I'm not sure, right? 
So I'd look at everything, all kinds of different religions and stuff. And so were you openly agnostic? Yeah. And how did people respond to that? Because that usually is not a a very popular view to have. Like, did did you feel like was there a lot of negativity towards you because of that? No, not at all. I don't. I don't think so. No, really, it was. I guess maybe where it's sort of like in the middle. You're not really offending anyone. You're just saying I'm not sure. You know, personally, that was my experience with. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that and uh, I think a lot of that actually was from anxiety issues I had, like anxiety, depression stuff, not being able to determine, right? Not, not being able to settle on something. But so um, that stuff kind of looked at everything and wasn't sure. Um, the anxiety stuff came a uh, drinking problem. So, and that was easy to get into on Monroe, started bartending and stuff. And that just became like the college years partying that everybody does just didn't stop for me. So that became something that kept me away from, from faith. I mean, obviously like kept me in questionable spots and anxious all the time. And I thought it was the, I really thought this is the weirdest part, how blind you are in addiction. Like I thought that the drinking was helping the anxiety when it was actually like exacerbating the problem. Like that was a large part of it. Once I quit drinking, the anxieties came way down. Hmm. But also, that is because of the Lord. Like, that's where I found Jesus. Like, cliche, I know, right? Yeah. Like, go to uh, jail or rehab, right, and find Jesus. But I'm like, true story for me. Like, yeah. Did you, were you ever looking prior to that, though? Was there, I mean, was there ever, like, those moments where you cried out and just nothing ever happened from that? Or, or maybe you didn't um, pursue it enough for anything really to take or anything like that? Were there moments, and what did those look like? Yeah, and especially in what I would call dry spells, like where I would realize that like I was in a physically bad spot from drinking, right? And be able to muster a few days sober and then, you know, oh, I'm going to get healthy and stretch it into a few weeks. I mean, not really working on staying that way, but just trying to get a little healthy for a minute. But there were times during that where I'd sit down and, I'd, and you know, I'd be up at night and sleep pattern would be all out of whack like that. And uh, sit and read the Bible, like just sit and read and read. And it was like I felt peace in that, but I still didn't. I still didn't know who the Lord was. Like I still wasn't committed like that. Do you? So, you know, there are people that are going through what you're explaining right now, yeah. like in their life. You know, and, and hopefully some of those people would listen to this. But like, if if you go back to those moments, what could have changed in those moments, or what what could you have done differently in those moments to get to a place where like you you became a healthier person before the point where you hit rock bottom? Or do you think that you could have done that, you had to hit rock bottom before you would actually like wake up to this? If there was anything that would have helped then, it would have been like actually going and, and seeking out fellowship. Because I would do that on my own a lot. I guess isolation is one of the biggest parts of addiction. So even having my dry spells, I was still isolated. Like I would sit up and read at night myself so if i if i'd actually like gone and talked to people about it rather than just sitting and reading by myself or just my family i think if i'd gone to church it might have been but but you know who knows now you know like church i mean you've yeah. been around and you know what that is and you know some of the goods and bads that come from mm-hmm. church you know what what will you tell somebody who's in a, a vulnerable place like that who is going to a place that these are still flawed people, and these are people who are probably at times going to make you feel unwelcome or unwanted. Like, you know, you know, from, from what you know now and what you knew then, 
like what would you tell yourself walking into those environments you know about what you should do and what this should look like and and how you should pursue this does that make sense yeah for sure um telling someone in that position i was in um there will be hypocrites like you're right some of those people are hypocrites and uh some of those like but there are people there and i i would hope a lot of them who generally have a heart after the lord and the thing is that some of that uh nervous feeling you're feeling when you're going to church um, that's conviction. That's from the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's not the other person looking at you. Like if they're looking at you, a lot of times they're looking to help. They yeah. see your pain and they want to help you. So just to be more open and be more honest with them and be, uh, be willing, be teachable, you know, yeah. try and grow. Yeah. Good. So then take us, you know, kind of through the rest of your story. Like, you know, you kind of get to that place where you hit rock bottom, then, what does that process from rock bottom to where you are today? Like, take us through those. Uh, rock bottom? Yeah. Rock bottom was um, I don't know, a series of things like poor relationship stuff. I mean, friendships, relationship, all these things together. Like, realizing that I was, realizing even in the addiction that, like, I wasn't doing horrible things to people necessarily, but but realizing that like my niece and nephew, that I wasn't able to spend time with him or I wasn't able to go to certain functions with friends because you didn't want to be the drunk guy there. Like wait till everybody's already been partying for a while and then show up because then you're not the drunk guy. You're part of the, part of the party. Right. So it was missing, you know, not being there physically being there sometimes and still not being there, like mentally gone, you know? So, uh, realizing that and then, uh, got up one morning for work and, uh, having my pre-work of beers and felt like my heart racing, but didn't feel that scared or disoriented feeling like typically comes with anxiety. None of that. Just my heart was racing. Like I, like I've been working out like, and uh, a couple beers didn't calm it down. Like it usually would. So I was like, I need to go to the hospital. And uh, the lady's like, you are like your alcohol, your blood alcohol limit is like really up there for 10 in the morning, bub. And I'm like, yeah. And sorry. Like, you know, but, uh, and she, I don't know, something about that moment, I think looking back and seeing the Lord at work, right, through friends of mine who've been reaching out at the time and sharing things with me, like um, like certain songs, like Start Over by uh, Flame and NF, like that song, I played that a lot, even though I didn't understand, like didn't know Jesus, but there are friends sharing that stuff, and I'm sure praying for me, right? So this stuff's all going on, and that hits me, and I'm like, man, I should not be, even though I feel... I don't feel drunk right now, but I am like obviously legally way drunk at 10 a.m. in a train wreck. Like my life is a train wreck. So I went from the hospital. It hit me all at once. I'm like, I am an alcoholic. Like I've never said it before. I'm a drunk. You know, we don't go to meetings. So I went right from HGH around to the counselor I've been seeing at Side of Paint Valley. And uh, I told her, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. And she's like, oh, finally, like she knew the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got there. That's, that's, that's your problem. It's not anxiety. I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so she immediately hooked me up um, with a spot in treatment, um, a detox and chill coffee, and then a trip to Ed's place out in Piketon. How long was that process, like the detox and then down at Piketon? Uh, two weeks of detox. Typically, it's only like... So you stayed at the facility for two weeks? Yeah, typically it's only five to seven days, I think, but... I, I couldn't get in to treatment right away. 
So they pulled some strings and had, had to where I could stay there. So they're like, if we give you a detox, can you make it for like a week and a half or a week and then go into treatment? And I'm like, no, like I was honest. I was like, I, I can't trust myself that far. Like I've been drinking for 15 years like this. I'm like, like I'm going to go drink if I'm free. Like, so, so they held me there. Um, and then I went to Ed's place for three months. Now, what was that like? Was it miserable, terrible? Like, yeah. Yeah. The first morning waking up sober, like, and realizing that this was what I committed to, right? Like not just, oh, it's another dry spell. Like, I want a new life. I don't want to live like this anymore. So I wake up in my scrubs, you know, in detox and I'm in the bathroom and like just miserable, like looking in the mirror. I, I took a picture on my phone just to have for reference and uh, just super like, I weighed 138 pounds when I checked in. I'm 6'2". I'm like, man, that's, that's like not healthy at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Super skinny. Yeah. And, uh, I just remember looking in the mirror and taking that picture and thinking, like, dude, like, this is miserable. I'm like, but if we can make it through this one, right, the next one will get a little easier. And just keep doing that. Just make it through this one. So, so this one being this hour or this day? Sometimes this minute, yeah, this hour mm-hmm. or this day, yeah. See, I, we, we talk about this fast and, and what even the process of doing that is. That's, I mean, that's it. You know, it's it's a it's small compared to what you're talking about. You know, in the big things of life that that you're discussing right now, but it gives us perspective to you know, like if say it's it's food that you're fasting from. Okay, I got to get through this meal. Yeah, I got to get through this day. I got to get through this sometimes minute, you know, yeah. or hour. Um, but that's 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 life, you know, and 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 you know this like. The value of the work that you put into that, those moments, has shaped the person that you are today, right? Absolutely. And so, if you don't do that work, then the good doesn't come. And and I've said this a hundred times: like nothing, nothing good is easy. Like yeah. it is hard. It is tough. It is difficult. You know. And and when we fight and struggle through that, that that's when we're going to see like those huge victories in our life and. Um, that's a big deal, man. So, okay, you, you get out of detox, you go into, what was the next part of that? Ed's place. It was a in-house treatment, yeah. Okay, and what's that? What was that? Um, just, you just live in a house with 30 other dudes and RAs and some nurses. Sounds like college. Yeah, kind of. I I can imagine. (laughs) College, but if everyone is a crazy addict who's like fiending at the time. Yeah, like, oh, so yeah. so definitely college then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. Some colleges, yeah, for sure. In some way or no. Yeah. No, that, that's awesome. So you get out of there and then, and then it, it, where do you feel like that real connection to like your, with, with God happened? I feel like I started to feel it there. While in treatment, some of us guys would, uh, we would just simple in the morning we would, you know, consider prayers at some of the meetings, you know, you'll say the serenity prayer or the Lord's prayer for the AA meetings. And then um, some of those guys had committed to, to get to every morning getting up and praying around one of the bunks, just get together and pray, get on our knees and, and pray. And, you know, I grew up with prayer. You know, I'd seen it, family and stuff, and at church here and there, but not consistently. But I still didn't have, know the relationship part of it. So there I'm like praying and praying and really wanting that, that connection, that relationship. 
and uh, and sitting up at night when the other guys are asleep. I'm up there with a little light on, like highlighting proverbs, like "Don't be drunk, don't drink." Like I'm like, "This is me, this is me." Yeah, but um, I got when I was in high school. I, my my punishment one time was Dad said, "I want you to read through the book of of Proverbs, and I want you to under thing, underline everything that applies to you." Like ninety percent oh, of the yeah. book underlined. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll definitely put that conviction on you. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a horrible person. <laughs> I, Cody, I recommend you do this. What the proverbs thing? Oh man, I'd be, I'd be 98. <laughs> percent But yeah, I'm doing that and uh and praying daily, or and often more than just daily, and and reading and trying to figure out, you know, who who is Jesus for real and. And uh, I'm starting to notice that the things that are changing in my life, then while, while there are things going on still outside of treatment while I'm in there that are, are bothering me, like my, my niece was dealing with leukemia at the time, you know? So we got the guys in there praying for her, you know, all of us guys in here praying. I'm like, I'm starting to notice that it's not that the situation is necessarily changing drastically, like a immediate miracle for her, but she's doing awesome with this fight, right? So that's encouraging me to fight also. And then I'm sitting here and I'm... Um, what I really noticed about the prayer was that the way I handled it was different. Like I had more peace with these situations. Like I was able to sit and read and, and pray, but pray through these things. And it wasn't necessarily that the situation radically changed, but that the way I felt about it did. It wasn't so all consuming then. I'm like, oh, maybe there's something to this Jesus stuff, you know, this faith stuff. And then, uh, just stuck that out and kept noticing that progression and then, how worship songs all of a sudden didn't sound so cheesy anymore. I was like, hey, this doesn't sound so horribly cheesy. This is actually, hey, I'm like bawling, crying. But in that to, time, you know, I will get, I will say this though. It, during that time, Christian music made some huge leaps. Because yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. even, even the stuff that maybe didn't sound as cheesy was still pretty cheesy. Yeah. It's not so cheesy anymore. It's, it's it made some huge leaps here. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that was it too. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe I was like, <laughs> hit the like, perfect storm there. Like, oh, this is the right time. There you go. The That's right. Music. Oh. Yeah. But, um, but that and then getting out and just continuing to go to church. You know, and build relationships there instead of just showing up here or there, you know, to build relationships, fellowship, and a men's group, and all these things. And then, honestly, this is the probably the cheesiest ever, like, moment when you realize, like, your moment of salvation. Like, I was sitting at Hobart working one morning, having, like, my routine honey bun and Coke. And just in the break room, and I've been really questioning, like, like this, you know, like, I know God is real. God is definitely real. I'm seeing these, this prayer stuff is happening. It's working for me. Like, I get that he's real. The Jesus part, I'm not sure still. Like, still a little bit of agnostic thing creeping in, right? And I'm like, like, maybe he was just crazy. I'm like, he wasn't fake. He was there, but maybe he was crazy. I don't know. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, so I'm asking him, like, man, are, are you real? Is this you? Like, are you really God's son? You know, and then... And all of a sudden, like I read, I'm just scrolling Facebook, eating, and I see Philippians 4.13. And for some reason, like, like crazy feeling hit me. And I'm like, dude, for real, man, you're real. Like, you just, I don't know. The best honey bun I ever ate in my life. <laughs> but that was it. That's the Like, no crazy, like, life-altering miracle, per se, like, from a situation just that real, like, I'm real. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I was like, oh. 
I need to eat more honey buns. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> sounds really good right now. I want one of those honey buns. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that sounds good. No, that's awesome, man. Um, good stuff, and you know your your process from then has been. Let me ask you this question because it's just this kind of just as you were talking. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Like just naturally? I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I, I think I don't know. One of those cases where it's like an extroverted inter- introvert, maybe. I don't know. I think by nature, more introverted. I, yeah, I was going to say, I, I think naturally you seem like you have more of those tendencies. Yeah. But you, this is the reason I ask is because I feel like, I feel like because of some of what you're talking about, your story you've realized that that hey listen like there's absolutely times and i know you do this like you write you do a lot of writing you mm-hmm. write songs and and you spend a lot of time kind of in your own thoughts and kind of processing that that's introversion yeah. like that's what oh, yeah. that's introverts are really good at that. but one thing i've noticed about you is when you're in an environment like with with us or even when you come into church like you'll peek your head in and say hey kevin or you'll come in here and you'll have conversations with people and you know i see yourself almost forcing yourself to do that at times not because you don't like those people but just because i think it's not natural but it's something that you've realized hey i have to i have to include i have to implement this in my life because i need community you know and you realize through your faith and and just like you talked about you know your addiction you know forced you into isolation and you're realizing like to stay out of that life i need to make sure i have a community of people that i'm building around me all the time and it i can tell you spend a lot of time and effort put effort into doing that now in your life that's that's a that's a you know that's something we should probably talk about some other point on the show because you know i've been reading a book you know, introverts in the church. And I think the church today does not do enough for introverts or even just recognizing them or utilizing them or, or really making them feel a part of because, you know, the church today is all about, you know, the guy up front and, you know, what he's saying and how he says it and, you know, the songs and, you know, how they make us feel and, you know, us, you know, it's more about people who can get along in those kind of environments. And it's less about people who don't, aren't good in those environments. And so people get left by the wayside, but you've, I can tell you've kind of maneuvered yourself into a place where you've made this a very important thing in your life. And that's a big deal, man, uh, for multiple reasons, but, but understanding the the necessity for that. And then, you know, applying that and like making that, I know it's not easy, but making that something that you, that you do naturally. Now I think you're, you're very natural at it. Thank you. So yeah, it's definitely something I've worked at. I mean, I enjoy, like I absolutely enjoy, I love people, but yeah, sometimes it's like awkward or like, come on and do this. Like I was nervous about doing this, like excited, but also nervous. But I'm like, one thing that I've learned through all this is the discipline of doing things that make you uncomfortable yeah. is very valuable. Yeah, like, absolutely. Well, let's, we've got, you know, some time left here and, and we want to get in this topic. So what what are the high points? Maybe I shouldn't say it like that. What are what are the flashpoints for you on this topic that have really made this something that you've keyed in on over the last several months? Like, you know, what are the moments where like this thing happened and it just really just kind of twisted your heart to, you know, to kind of wrench it in a way, you know, or this happened and it it really, you know, just 
he gave you a different perspective or different thought about this. Like, what are those? What are those? Those moments that have created just this your, this burden on you about you know what's going on with politics and you know the the divisiveness in it, and then you know this can- cancel culture, you know that we find ourselves in today. Um, and you, we looked up this. You looked up cancel culture beforehand, and this is anytime someone says or does something you know, that, that, that the culture deems wrong where they just cut them off, essentially, is what mm-hmm. is what we're seeing. And you talked about a, a singer who, what was the singer's name? Uh, Morgan Wallen. M- yeah. Morgan what? Morgan Wallen. Wallen? Wallen, yeah. Okay, and he said the N-word with yeah. some of his buddies yeah. in his home. And it got out, and the guy is, lost his record deal, pretty much lost all his fans, is a nobody now because yeah. of because of this mistake now again we're not condoning that but this is the world we live in today mm-hmm. um and it's very dangerous anyway okay so what are the what are the what are those things that have really just kind of maybe hit you hard that you're just like man this is not okay the things that the things that get me about it are um like simple to me like like getting on facebook and seeing people i know we grew up with like lifelong friends right who have different you know leanings as far as like the more liberal side or more more conservative side and but have been you know like brothers and watching them get into heated arguments over one simple small part of politics and i'm like and literally and delete me unfriend me right i'm like really like so create an echo chamber right delete me so all i have are people who sound just like me so i never have like a real sense of the world around me like i can't grow or learn anything besides what i already know like but it's, it's just seeing that kind of hate, you know, amongst people that I know love each other. I'm like, how? Like, over politics. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Nate talked about this. Um, there's a documentary we've talked about a few times on the show called Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Talk, tell us about that. And, like, so it's not just us saying, delete me, cancel me, but... Are the platforms that we actually like check this stuff out on, you know, are are like set up to do the exact same thing, like to create cancel culture almost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty cut and dry thing, especially the the last couple months. You know, news media, all of us, we've all talked about it. You know, just these social media platforms, the amount of power that they, that they have, um, the amount of control that they have over you and me and everyone who's on it even those who aren't on it. Um, but the social dilemma essentially just goes into the fact that a lot of social media companies will, um, they'll keep track of what you like, obviously. Um, they will keep track of what you look at offline of Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter so they can appeal to you in some way, shape or form. And, and, <clears throat> another good point that social dilemma brings up is that, you know, these social media companies will also, um, kind of throw out notifications at you. And this is something we've touched on numerous times, notifications at you all at once. So you get this adrenaline rush, you get these, this release of endorphins, uh, in your brain that make you feel happy, right? Because you're getting all these notifications. I'm important. Um, these people want to talk to me. So yeah, that, that's the social dilemma. Um, and, and I think it, it plays a big part into what we're talking about because, um, again, a lot of it is just about, controlling what we like, what we see, what we take in, 
Um, and, and social media companies can, as you said, the echo chamber, great phrase for this. They can basically artificially create that through this, uh, through this kind of practice. So it's kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, even think about how like YouTubers make money. They make money on how many views they get. And so like, you know, I was watching one of them the other day. They were doing one of their interviews, right? They get paid by how many people watch this video. And so if it's over a million, you know, they can actually make like a chunk of change, right? Mm -hmm. If it's only a few thousand, then they're only getting, you know, a few, you know, a few bucks. But like, so they'll say or do whatever they can because it's entertainment value and they're just, they're trying to get people to check this thing out one time, then subscribe, right? And that gives you even more money. Mm -hmm. Again, like this, this whole game is, you know, is, is you are the product, it's not it's not a thing that you're getting no you're the product you become the product in in this in this system and you know we have bought it hook line and sinker we've become you know saturated with it and now it is who we are you know as a culture we've become this thing and and it's creating an ugly ugly monster um that we're having to deal with um Cody, any thoughts? No, I was thinking about, you know, even the hot topic of the police and police brutality and like Mm -hmm. kind of the cancel culture with that where, you know, there was that incident uh, with George Floyd that was one of the most significant ones of 2020. And then you have all these large cities um, demanding uh, to cut the police, you know, and cancel the police because of that incident. And uh, some of them did cancel, not their entire force, but did a lot of cuts and in their budget and you know that that's that's concerning and it's scary you know it really is but you know I, I think about it it's I don't think this is something that is new like it's not something that has been in our country just in the last couple of years I think I think this is something that's been going on for a long time I mean you look at um, men like Martin Luther King like people want to cut him out you know eventually unfortunately they did I mean they they killed him, but like he had this vision and a movement, and then there was a group of people that wanted him out, you know, and, and to stop that for his his right his purpose of what he was trying to do there. Um, you know, I, I think it's more prevalent now because we see it and we're exposed to it more now, and we have more access to and, put our views out there, right? And yeah, I mean, it, it, so I think we're just on the bottom of this mountain of this cancel culture where it, like. We're getting exposed to things, but I think we haven't even touched the top of the mountain of this, right? Like we're we're this generation of people that the technology really just took off, you know, and, and these smartphones came out, these tablets. I mean, at, at the touch of your finger, you can have your bank account and this and that. Um, so, you know, I think this is going to be something that is um, going to become more prevalent as the years go, go by. But as Christians, I think we need to be careful uh, with that. And I think, too, like you think about like some really good people. I mean, you bring up the, the country singer. Well, you know, Drew Brees, I, I know several months ago, yeah. what he didn't even say anything really bad. It was just, I think we should stand for the singing of the national anthem. And he got just lambasted over right. that. Like with like his teammates. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. with everyone. Yeah. Like one of his teammates said like, Oh, I just need to, if I, if we would all been together, I could have had a conversation with Drew and like, we would right. be, it's like, you can't have an opinion. Right. Well, I mean, look at, 
the I know we're on sports again, but look at the Dallas Mavericks yesterday. The owner of the Mavericks said we're, oh, yeah. no, we're no longer playing the national anthem. Well, then it was two days ago. Then yesterday, the commissioner comes out and says every NBA team will play the national anthem before their games. You know, so I mean, it's just it's crazy. To yeah, me. it is just a crazy world right now. Yeah, hold oh, me. I think, and and this goes back to what you were saying, Cody, about, you know, our generation is really the first generation where, you know, we've had YouTube, um, we've had things like SoundCloud, which we put our podcast on, where right. we can create our own content and put that out for the whole world to see. Well, some of us probably shouldn't be doing that, you know, some of us just aren't the most, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like us, for example. <laughs> aren't you glad you came, Brian? <laughs> This is Jesus inspired. <laughs> um, but I mean, that that just goes to tell you, like, some of the things you'll see on YouTube, you know, SoundCloud, for instance, you know, those are not godlike. Those are not things that are healthy for you. Those are not things that produce a healthy Christian mindset. Um, even if you don't want to be a Christian, it's not going to give you health, right? Um, yeah, it, it's... I can see where it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I hope somehow we can turn it around. Maybe maybe our podcast putting this out online will will help turn it around. That's right. Who knows? You never know. Spider web effect. Yeah, that's right. The, you know, it, it comes down to this: as followers of Christ, as individuals who see, like there is something wrong with this, and what's wrong with it is that. As long as you agree with me, then we're okay. But the second like you disagree with me, the second that you challenge me, it becomes so personal for people. Even even abstract things, right? Even things that are just out there mm-hmm. become so personal because you feel a certain way about them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this here's a silly one, okay? John Deere versus, you know, Case International, right? I mean, it's a silly thing, but it can be very personal for certain individuals, like green or red. Like, yeah. I mean, this it gets, it, that, and that's a silly example. But the reality is, like, this is the world that we live in, and so the the last few messages that I even preach, and it's funny, you know, because we like we talked about this a month ago before we even I even preached these sermons, but like the last few messages that I preached, like the 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 questions that I was asking. Okay, I'll open that back up. The questions that I was that, that I was asking, the things that I was challenging is okay, like if if you really want to see where you stand and where you are and where your heart is, then then like let somebody who knows you pretty well say to you, like, here's what's wrong with you. Right. Like, here are your character flaws. Here are the things that, that we see that maybe you, you don't see. Like, do you give people permission to do that? Because the reality is cancel culture does not. Hmm. But as, but as a believer, if you're somebody who knows Christ, who has allowed the gospel to penetrate your, your heart and your soul, then it's not good enough just to be who you are. Like there has to be people that you give permission to speak into your life, to be brutally honest with you. I said this, Hey, listen, go find somebody and talk to them. Okay. Go ask them if what's wrong with you. You know how many people came up to me and asked me, Kevin Stuckey asked me what was wrong with them. Nobody. (laughs) Did anybody come to you guys and say your wife, maybe Nate, 
Did she, did Every she, day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. Did she say, "Hey, what's wrong with me, Nate?" Did she say that? She did not. No. I. I and that's a joke. I'm. You know. I. Mm. She doesn't listen to the show, so we're. But, safe, but she right? tells me what's wrong with me. Yeah. 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 yeah well, want to make that very apparent. We do too. So yeah. Um, but no. I and I think. You know, you talk about. You know, even even. Well, no, Nate, you had said before the show, you said you're reading Crazy Love and you got to that chapter four where it talks about being a mediocre Christian. Yeah. Yeah. We are, you know, in a lot of ways, really mediocre. And even having some of these conversations, like, we're definitely challenged, but, like, there are still a lot of mediocrity. Here, here, here's the thing that I think is beautiful about the gospel, though. It's about motivation more than getting it right. This is what I talked about with David and Saul, right? Saul got it all wrong and God rejected him. And we think, oh my goodness, like I'm no better than Saul. Neither was David, except for his heart was. His motivation was. And so I think like that's the thing that we got going. So let's keep motivated and and keep our hearts focused on that. But at the end of the day, like understand like, like we've bought in hook, line, and sinker into this culture and, and like we're doing things that are perpetuating this as much as anybody is, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but if it disgusts you, then it should because it is disgusting. Now, any, what, some more thoughts on this, Mr. Fleming, Professor Fleming, Dr. Fleming, <laughs> I mean. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I had a thought there and it's kind of escaped me. I'm like, oh man, just I don't have to do it with my hands. Pull, like, pull a Cody. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm like, what is the pull question? Pull a Cody. Yeah, what was the what was the question what was again? The question? No, I I do though. I think giving people permission is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, accountability. I mean, we we all need it. Every one of us. Um, being able to ask those questions and and get honest answers, but but honest, but not necessarily hurtful like that. I think it's what that's the part of the cancel culture that gets me. It's um. It's like a direct opposite of what Jesus would have us do. Like when we expect accountability, right? Jesus says to lovingly rebuke someone. If you're wrong, you know, lovingly rebuke them. Tell them the truth, but do it with with mercy. Cancel culture is out here like, I would like you to like just viciously, you know, persecute them. I'm like, whoa, whoa, like, like how's that going to change someone's mind? Right. If they are wrong, how do you really change a heart when you shove them out? Like, I don't know. It's counterintuitive. You you create bitterness in their yeah. life. You don't you create you don't create any change. Yeah. And and the only reason they change is to save their their wallet, not mm. to actually like that their heart is going to change. Yeah. You ever seen that one guy on Facebook where if he interjects into an argument that has no end to it, he'll just be like, uh, <laughs> "Hey guys, just sitting back, enjoying the ride, watching people try to change each other's minds on Facebook." <laughs> There's always that one guy, right? Like every political argument. <laughs> but there's a lot of truth to that. There is. There is. What, like, so from a scripture standpoint, like, you know, as as you've been kind of processing, the, like, what are the passages that God's been putting on your heart, you know, that, that, uh, that maybe has, that maybe would, you know, give us something to kind of cling to as we think about, you know, what, what do we do and, you know, with this cancel culture and, and how do we live in it well? Right. Um, one of the, like some of the big ones, obviously like the, um, 
like here, Proverbs 4.27, right? Oh, Proverbs are great for this whole, this whole talk, right? But uh, do not turn to the left or the right, or right or the left. Uh, keep your foot from evil, right? And it's just to say that, that either of those things, if you get too far on either side, you get, you get off the narrow path, then you're going to end up making mistakes or, or outright buying into something evil. Like, yeah. um, that's a good one. Um, I know one you've mentioned beforehand is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I know yeah. you had kind of mentioned, and this is what came to mind as you were kind of talking, as you were processing that, is this be the church. Yeah. You know, you know, define that. What is be the church? You know, what, what, what can we, what can we do as individuals who love God and love others? Like, what does that look like from a practical standpoint? I think that in a time like this, you know, where people are so quick to just cancel the next guy, you know, or delete me, like, I mean, that's simple. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Like follow God, tell them the truth and love them. Like, so to literally have, have these difficult conversations and be willing to have them uh, without the cancel factor, without, you know, letting the uncomfort, the discomfort or whatever of the situation, like cause us to not have it. I think that's the problem. Like either people start to talk about it and they get canceled or deleted, or they just don't talk about it because it's just too touchy. And I'm like, that's not going to make it go away. Like, so trying to, uh, and that starts with building relationships, you know, loving your actual neighbor because they probably know you better than you trying to like, I'm not going to try to yell at some guy from California on, online because he doesn't know me. He's like, nope, you're out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He canceled you right yeah. there. Yeah. So just starting like right here at home, you know, working our way out. And um, yeah, like especially with the politics thing, like the idea was like, for me personally, like with how politics are so divisive right now, like I know I'm guilty of in past elections. I go and I look like, all right, I vote president down. Like I go on the ballot box and I'm like, all right, this is what I want here. And then I go down and, and I know the locals when I get down to that part. I'm like, all right, I, I like this guy, I like this guy, you know, but I'm like, maybe that's a big part of it to turn that around. Like, cause, because we're not as affected by those people at the top as we are the ones right next to us, the mm-hmm. sheriff, you know, the mayor in our town. Like we need to start building those relationships and making sure they're people of character and uh, working on working our way out from right here. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's real good. I think, um, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, you know, it, this all centers on the gospel and like who Jesus is to you. But I, I love what you said just about the simplicity. Cause I think we look at these issues and, and they look so complex to us. And here, here's the truth. How are you loving your wife? How are you loving your kids and, and what kind of time are you spending there? Like, are you investing not just quality time, but like, are you investing Jesus in them? You know, you know, cause I, you know, the thing that just really hits me is like, you know, we've, we've been so busy this last week and I haven't had time to like sit down. I, I started reading them. Uh, Love does the kids version of that. And mm-hmm. like, they've wanted me to read it to them every night. And I'm like, oh, it's too late. Let's go to bed. Like, you know, that's an easy, like, Hey dad, Give us a little bit of Jesus tonight. No, kids, I'm too tired. Like that, you know, it's as simple as that. You know, do we want to change a culture? Well, we have little minions right now that like if, if if we put this in their heart and we teach them and grow them to be men and women who love God, a culture changes, Mm -hmm. period, you know, um, 
And 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 I I love you saying that just because that's that's as, that's how easy it is. Start there and work your way out. Start with the people you have most influence with mm-hmm. and work your way out. Don't try to tackle the national debt problem okay (laughs) tackle your personal debt first okay then you can go with the national debt after that right um and and i think you know if if we think that way i think more change can happen than than we could even begin to imagine so man dr fleming thank you for being here with us this evening this was uh this was great man a breath of fresh air it's been nice thanks for having me yeah and and so uh, questionnaire, um, how was your experience? Um, four out of five would try again. <laughs> yes, that's hey, what we we'll, like to hear. We'll take that. Yeah, we'll take, we'll take it every time. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, Brian, would you close in prayer? Yeah, sure will. Um, Lord, thank you for this day, um, for this uh, time here with some brothers. To, uh, to discuss this world we're living in and uh, some of the problems we see where, where we've strayed from you um, and to uh, discuss the simplicity that you give us in your lessons in the Bible on how to, uh, how to exact change, a good change in that. And uh, please just continue to lead us and guide us uh, in your spirit to be that change, to, uh, to help our neighbor, to build our families, uh, to be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Professor Brian. Kevin, it's been awesome. It's been about a four out of five experience for me, too. Cody, <laughs> it's been a five out of five, brother. Thank you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Guys, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. Deuces. Bye. See ya. See ya.